Welcome to Mostly Mosquitoes with Josh Neely. It's the podcast that takes the sting out of those annoying pests. Hey there, Charlie McDermott, the co-host of the show, back here with Josh Neely. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm great, Charlie. How are you? I'm great, and unfortunately, uh, I was out yesterday, and uh, I, I can show my arms and my legs. There's, there's no bite marks or anything, uh, so thanks for fighting a good fight for us in Southwest Florida here, Josh. Um, uh, but you know, the, uh, <laughs> and, and fortunately, you know, you have, uh, uh, the reason for this show, you have others, uh, in your industry, you, you are a leader and I, I, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I know, uh, you know, you, your passion about mosquitoes and, and that has shown in the other episodes and why I like spending time with you and learning every single episode here and in this episode we're going to talk about a mosquito i've never even heard of before so I, i'm really juiced about this so the black salt marsh mosquito did i get that right you sure did the uh that is the common name for it the actual name for it is Eclaritatus tenurancus and uh <laughs> it is commonly called the black salt marsh mosquito because as the name suggests it uh predominantly emerges from salt marshes along coastal areas uh and that is something we have plenty of down here so it's going to be a, a a pretty pestiferous mosquito along uh just about any coastline through mexico uh northern south america up the eastern seaborne and areas that have salt marshes and uh uh-huh. they you know there's a lot, lot of them through everglades national park and along uh like just salt marshes throughout Southwest Florida. Wow. Wow. So we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, uh, the, one of the unique things about, um, Eclaritatus tenurancus is they are not going to be typically super active year round. Uh, they have pretty specific behavior, uh, to being a, to being a problem, pretty much a couple times a year, but when they, uh, when they're a problem, you know, they're a problem. They Mm -hmm. emerge by the billions and trillions. And what they do is they will lay their eggs, uh, on, on damp ground. They actually don't lay their eggs in the water. So they lay their eggs in preparation of where the water level is going to get to eventually. And they lay them high enough. And this is one of the most impressive things that you'll see mosquitoes do in my opinion but they know how to lay their eggs high enough in the soil to where when the water level reaches that point, it doesn't Mm -hmm. recede until the eggs have had a chance to hatch into larva and the larva have had a chance to emerge into adulthood. So one thing you see in some areas where water, you know, it it, it rises quickly, but it also falls quickly is it doesn't give Mm -hmm. the larva enough time to develop into adulthood and, or to develop into adults and emerge into adulthood. And the, uh, the, the Claritatus tanurancus has found a solution for that and just being able to, to know how to lay their eggs high enough that whenever water does get there, they've got plenty of time to emerge. The, wow. the other thing that uh, is, that is beneficial to the mosquito in doing that is when they emerge, it's not like most other species where you have uh, an emergence, you know, of, uh, you know, anywhere from a couple hundred to a couple hundred thousand 
uh, in some species like Seraphira columbiae and uh, Seraphira solicitans, which are going to be uh, other floodwater species. Um, the Eclaritatus tenurancus, when they emerge, they emerge in the trillions, just because all of them, uh, as they have taken blood meals and they've gone and laid their eggs, like in these little cryptic habitats back in salt marshes, uh, if the water doesn't get to that level, they're just going to keep depositing eggs uh, until oh, there are no more mosquitoes to deposit eggs. So whenever they come in and deposit all those eggs and you get a king tide or you get a, a you know significant rain event, then that's going to uh, the water's going to going to reach those eggs. They'll all hatch at the same time. They'll all emerge at the same time. And uh, one reason uh, why I say like when you have a problem with the salt marsh mosquitoes, you know you have a problem with the salt marsh mosquitoes is because they have a flight range of up to 40 miles. Yeah. Meaning that, like I think I've uh, spoken previously on the podcast about uh, 80s Egypti's flight range and how uh -huh. it can be difficult to, uh, to actually find colonies of 80s Egypti if you don't have someone complaining or if you don't happen to set a trap you know, where that colony happens to be because they may not ever travel more than, you know, a couple hundred yards from where they emerge. Well, with uh, the Eclaritatus senurancus, whenever they emerge, like they can fly 40 miles inland. And that's, you know, not necessarily wind assisted, but if they're wind assisted, you know, you can find them all the way in Orlando. Wow. So and, and they, when, uh, when is it like what what's their lifespan? How uh, how long are they out there? Uh it depends on a lot of factors. Uh you know, obviously we would like to and, and I'll say we as in mosquito industry professionals, uh we would love to make that lifespan as short as possible. Uh <laughs> but it depends on, you know, if they're if they're not introduced to, you know, a, a treatment or anything like that then it depends on everything from uh, temperature to humidity. Um, there's lots of conditions that can affect the lifespan, but, you know, it could be anywhere from one to three or four weeks. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I always thought it was like a, a day or two, and then they were done. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. I mean, that's kind of a – that's one of those that's kind of a loaded question because – yeah, depends yeah. on predation and several other things, but obviously in a controlled environment, they'll survive a lot longer than they will in the wild, but yeah. it's probably on average a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. yeah. wow. And that's for the and, life cycle. You know, for the average Joe or Charlie, would I know, you know, that the, the, I don't know if there's such a thing as a normal mosquito I'm finding out via these episodes, but you know, there's a black, Salt marsh mosquito look any different than any other mosquito out there? Uh, yeah. Um, to the naked eye, it can be difficult to tell. Uh, really, any mosquito other than Seraphira ciliata, just because that one is like a small pterodactyl coming at you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the Glaritatus uh, tenurancus. Um, it's got dark markings with white banding on the legs. It's got uh, kind of a uh, a little bit of a hairy thorax um, when you're looking at it under a microscope. And it also has uh, a ring around it, a bright white ring around its uh, proboscis. 
So okay. there are definitely ways that you can tell them apart under a microscope, but generally a good indicator is if you, uh, you know, walked outside one day and didn't really have an issue with mosquitoes and you live near the coastline and then, you know, there's been a lot of rain recently or like something like a keen tide. And uh, then you walk out the next day and like you just get carried away. That's usually a good indicator that it's tenuous. Wow. Wow. So I guess uh, anytime when, when you, as you mentioned, extended rain and or a king tide, it's kind of like uh, look out. There's probably a good chance you're going to you see that. Are they like, do you actually see swarms of them or, or which been your experience? Yeah, they, I mean, they come out in droves. You see yeah. very large numbers of them and then they move uh, inland from the coastline. Yeah. But uh, I, can pretty much pinpoint the day that they emerged because that day is going to be the day that every customer I have along the coastline of Southwest Florida is calling me and they're like, what is happening? Like everything was all right. And now like we went outside and we're scared they're going to carry our dog off. <laughs> and yeah, wow. usually I, I try to kind of keep track of, uh, of tidal activity like that and and yeah. large rain events and i try to give them as much of a heads up as i can and obviously it's difficult to you know predict yeah. down to the day when they're going to emerge but i usually give them a call or if i see them when i'm there uh, treating the property i'll you know let them know hey just a heads yeah. up at some point in the next few weeks it's likely that the tannies are going to emerge and when they do like just give me a call yeah. and let me know and uh, we'll come out and do what we can. Oh, that's great. But, yeah. And, yeah. and then, you know, and, the, in the previous... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. I was just going to say the crazy thing is, like, they're that bad. And that's after the county devotes a tremendous amount of time, resources, and energy into treating them at the source. So right. you can imagine how terrible they would be if it weren't for what uh the you know in this particular area of southwest florida uh we're here in yeah. lee and collier county so what lee and collier county mosquito control districts uh mm -hmm. the efforts that they put towards combating tanurankus like without what they do it would not be a fun place to live when they emerge that's a really good point and have you found josh and i know every county is different but in a situation like this with the lack salt salt marsh mosquito are these districts kind of ahead of it they see the king tide coming for example so they're like you know on top of that versus the or do, or do you have to wait until they actually hatch to do that treatment yeah so um obviously if you, you can pre-treat areas in some cases yeah. with some uh larvicides uh Sometimes, uh, you know, that is the best option just because if you wait until the larvae emerge or they hatch from eggs, uh, then realistically, if it's due to a king tide or a large rainfall event, you're going to have an incredibly large section of coastline that you're going to have to go find these little cryptic pools and treat them all within, you know, two to five days before they emerge into adulthood. So right. that's going to be insanely taxing and difficult on any agency, um, yeah. much less one with, you know, a set number of technicians that they can actually send out. 
So uh, pre-treatment is the answer in a lot of areas. Um, they do a lot of aerial missions with the helicopters uh, and with the drones as well. And then they, uh, they have boats that they take out to some of these uh, small barrier islands that essentially function like a bowl. So it looks like a beautiful little tropical island uh, from the shore or from your boat. But once you get on it, you know, let's say it's, we'll just use this in, as an example. Um, let's say it's between uh, Pine Island and Cape Coral. And it is the size of a football field, this little barrier island out there. So if it has the topography that I've seen before um, in some barrier islands, it can function like a bowl to where what you're seeing, all these beautiful trees in this beach kind of comes up. And then in the center of the island, it's uh, recessed a little bit. So it just holds that water. And think about how many mosquito larvae that are, you know, anywhere from a quarter of an inch to an eighth of an inch long can fit inside that football field sized bowl. So whenever they emerge, that can be enough mosquitoes from that one spot that, you know, is very difficult to find and very easy to miss. Uh, that one source of mosquitoes could be wreaking havoc on, you know, Pine Island, Cape Coral, up to Burnt Store Marina, over to Sanibel. And, you know, don't forget, this is the species of mosquito that has just an obscenely uh, crazy flight range. So they're going to be going all the way through Lehigh, Naples, uh, possibly even, you know, down to Marco from that one place. So they, they are, the, the counties are incredibly good at what they do. I'm very thankful for them as a resident down here. And, uh, you know, between the pre-treatments that they do, uh, sending people out there and boats and helicopters to areas that are inaccessible by road and, you know, larviciding them as much as they can that's uh that's very wonderful for the citizens yeah you know it's it, uh, for sure i've taken that for granted i had no idea until we started doing this podcast you know all the work i i see the mosquito district on my uh, you know my tax bill and and i see a lot of funds going towards that so i assume they did something but uh i had no idea they do all that so uh wow and now I understand why. <laughs> I mean, jeez, the various uh, mosquitoes that are out there. So thankfully we have them and, and you. And um, anything Absolutely. that we missed? Uh, and the, this, uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, anytime we talk about, uh, you know, a specific species of mosquito, uh, I think it's important to talk about its medical significance. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, like we've spoken on Egypti before, uh, they're the primary vectors of dengue, Zika, chikungunya, yellow fever. Um, and uh, on Eclaritetis tenurancus, um, I think it's important to note that they're not typically a huge species of medical significance. Um, they can carry uh, triple E in some cases, uh, but it's really rare. So typically uh, from the coastal mosquitoes and stuff like that, they're not really a health threat. So the bad news is when they come out, you're going to get eaten alive if you go outside and there's not really a whole lot you can do about it because that's after the problem has been dealt with as much as possible. They're still emerging like that. 
Um, too late. And then, uh, you know, the good thing is you don't have to worry about them, you know, really giving you anything or making you sit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just that nuisance thing, right? Yes. Yes. Well, Josh, uh, <laughs> you never cease to amaze me. Uh, episode after episode, uh, uh, you've opened my eyes, and uh, I know your listeners really appreciate knowing what's going on there in this this paradise. And it is a paradise again because of folks like you and and the Mesquite District, and uh, can continue to be blown away by your knowledge and your passion for this. So, thank you again, and uh, look forward to the next episode. Absolutely, Charlie. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Mostly Mosquitoes with Josh Neely. To learn more about Mosquito Marshals, go to www.mosquitomarshals.com. That's www.mosquito, M-O-S-Q-U-I-T-O, Marshals, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-S.com. Or call 239-322-2813.